it's something that really pissed me off about the entire market and it quickly became apparent that that's what all of my customers liked about working with me was that I came from the business background and not a marketing background so I didn't talk about fluff and vanity metrics I purely talked about money in versus money out The goal isn't to live forever The goal is to create something that will You're listening to Perspective, a podcast for wedding craves, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry for you to listen to, to learn, and to help grow your wedding business. We've invited Mr. Neil Shoney McLean into our podcast studio to educate us on the ways of social media marketing on today's episode. Neil is an online marketing consultant, coach, and speaker, offering entrepreneurs confused by digital marketing the fastest and easiest route to profitable ads, emails, and socials so that they can scale their business. We're all in the wedding industry here, but let's screw the vanity metrics and focus on digital marketing strategies that grow revenue and profit for our businesses. For anyone who says to themselves, I know I need to market on social, but, or I just don't understand business marketing, And for those of you just screaming at your computers or phones, questioning why you're throwing away money on boosting posts, then this episode of Perspective is for you. This is going to be an information-filled listen. However, before we get on to all of that, Greg, what are we drinking? We are drinking. We had a bit of a problem this morning with the espresso machine, so we're going to make some long blacks, but it's back to the V60. No, Chemex, sorry. And we're drinking some workshop coffee. It's La Vega. Got it from a subscription company called Beans, based out of Ireland. And they send coffees from all over Europe. We've got a San Antonio Alpuyarra Tolima from Colombia. Did you butcher that? Probably. I reckon well my put. Spanish was good. Was that good? <laughs> <laughs> Do you speak Spanish? Uh, my, my wife's no. Puerto Rican. So, well, so I hear it. I hear Spanish. <laughs> Did I sound Spanish? Was I convincing enough? Yeah, yeah. Thank it, you. it was like she was back in the room. Okay. So, Neil, there you go. Thank um, you. I'm going to let you pour your own milk. Awesome. Thank you. There's this. not much milk in there. Yeah. There's enough for a coffee, surely, is there? Yeah. Okay. How you doing, Neil? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you for coming in. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> In fact, I haven't even tried the coffee yet. Let's give it a taste. That's dynamite. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice wee fruity kick at the end. Mm-hmm. I like it. How has your week been? It has world traveller pretty manic. Um, given that obviously built up the business in Glasgow, surrounding areas, etc. Um, but run it from New York now, so. Uh, when I come back, it's once every two months, it's six days, and I need to see everybody I can, get everything done that I can, and then I've got some big responsibilities with my mentorship groups that I need mm. to deliver basically 48 hours from um, wake up to going to bed, uh, just working with them on their business and their marketing, their mm-hmm. ads, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Is that what you've been doing so far, meeting up with people? Yeah, that's been it. So I literally, I got here the day before the meetup. I had a bunch of errands to run uh, to get prepped for it. Two days uh, with everybody there inside the group. Mm-hmm. Um, we just did it at Citizen M in, in Glasgow in one of oh, the yeah. meeting rooms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that. And then since then, 
this is third podcast in two days. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, no, I, I love them. I love these chats. Especially the voice when, is holding up well. <laughs> I love it when people are in different industries as well. So it's not just like, what's the simple step by steps? It's like, it's more specific and it gets my brain ticking as well and mm-hmm. thinking about different ways. Um, I've actually been, uh, like recently, like I hadn't been taking on clients, like one-to-one clients for a long time mm-hmm. in the sense that I've already got a whole bunch of clients and I don't tend to lose them. So um, that that's usually fine, but I've started wanting to challenge myself a bit. So I've started getting like hairdresser clients and like different industries that I haven't really been involved in. Oh yeah. I've been loving it. Yeah. Talk- talking about uh, hairdressers, I think we have the same hairdresser. Dave. Dave. Dave oh, yes. <laughs> I love Dave Clayton. Clayton here. Anybody listening? Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, when he said that, I was like, oh, you're kidding. I'm getting him on my podcast soon. <laughs> he, he, he literally cut my hair about five years ago and I've never moved away since. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what happened to me. My wife was having her 30th. I'm like, right, going to spice it up for the 30th. Right, David, do something. <laughs> <laughs> And he gave me this kind of vintagey thing. I'm like, damn, that looks pretty cool. <laughs> like, I'm not used to this. Was this before or after the top knot phase? <sighs> were you a top knot? <laughs> I had a top knot. Yeah. You, you, well, went, you went through a phase. I actually can't imagine you were a top knot. So, I I know. So, the vintage style went into a little bit of a hipster style with the shade back and sides long on top. Because he was like, I think you should grow the top out. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll grow the top. But then for weddings, it just became unmanageable. Like, you'd walk around the hills and your hair would just be all over your face. So I just, well, one time I found uh, my daughter's, what are those things that you put in the hair? Hair bubble. That's the one, hair bubble. Uh, and I just put that in my hair. I looked absolutely ridiculous, but at the time I didn't care. I was like, yeah. this is doing the job. And then I just got lazy and just, that was my style for a, a long time. Class. And no one told me it was, I think actually people did tell me it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't talk because I've had the same hairstyle for about 15 years. Nice. You need to go to Dave Clayton here. You do. (laughs) You do. Spice it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and he's got his new shop. I don't know if you've visited his new shop. Yeah, Yeah, it's really nice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we bit of a shout out there, Dave. (laughs) Uh, Quick question. Shoney, where's that come from? Right, so I'm from way up in the highlands of Scotland, 90 miles into nothingness after Inverness. Um, More sheep and cows than there are people. You know every single person in the village type thing. And the thing that comes with that is family nicknames. Okay. So they go really far back, even like when I see my grandpa uh, in old newspapers playing for the local football team, they still called him... Donald Shoney McLean with Shoney in quote marks, <laughs> even though it was in the newspaper. Um, and then that's just sort of gone on the family name that it would be like Neil Shoney McLean. Um, and like when, when I started to to do stuff online with like the online program and everything, I was like, Neil McLean, it's like it's not as marketable. <laughs> uh, I was like, I was like, I might, I might just play on the whole Shoney thing. Yeah, yeah. That's it sort cool. of r- rolls a bit more off the tongue, like Neil yeah. Shoney Matt. Yeah. Do your yeah. family like that? Oh, they love it. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. They they think it's absolutely hilarious that I've like brung it into the business and <laughs> actually used it as like the name <laughs> going forward. And like that when I said, oh, I'm starting a podcast called the Shoney Show, like yeah. they thought it was ridiculous, but <laughs> they, they thought it was funny as well. 
Yeah, no, I like it. Please, please tell me your fans are uh, Shawnee ponies. Yes. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love that. That's uh, cool. You know I'm going to run with that for now. <laughs> <one. laughs> Uh, no, I totally should. Um, ah, can I be your first Shoney Pony then? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I go to improve. Ah, oh, brilliant. Uh, and quite often chat with Ross. Uh, who's also been on the show before. Who has also been on the show before. And I actually didn't realize, like, I knew you did some of his uh, marketing stuff. Uh, I didn't realize how deep it went. Uh, or that you guys just hang out from time to time. Yeah. Didn't realize that. Yeah. No, so I'm starting to feel like my world's really small. Yeah, <laughs> I have a blast with Ross every time I see him. Mm. Like we'll 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 uh, sit and chat about the business for like an hour, but like we'll just chat after that for like two hours about everything and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. That's cool. Just the other day, you mentioned the uh, SFN Expo. Is that right? S- yeah. SFN. Yeah. Uh, you're the creator of it. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize that. Also, that's some mean feat. Yeah, it was uh, the most stressful time in my life. Oh God! <laughs> oh man, that 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 was uh, that that was something. Um, I think I think I must have been like twenty or twenty one mm-hmm. when when I launched it, uh, and I got my brother in law to come in with me on it as well, mm-hmm. um, and we ran it together for the first three of five years, and it it was difficult. Yeah. Oh man, wait, it, it's that sort of thing of like. I, I'm I'm the type of person that will write like a hundred different business plans in a few months and they'll be all yeah. over the place. See like a wee gap in the market and just be like, Well man, I might start making microphones like this. Like and I've got no reason to be in that market. <laughs> yeah. I, I would completely lose in it. And at one point a friend of mine said, You're always writing these business plans. Why the two things you know are fitness and events, because I ran club nights at uni and I also studied fitness uh, at uni, so right. sports science. And so I was like, all right, yeah, good shout. And I went online. I was like, uh, biggest fitness events in the UK. And I saw one down south uh, that was absolutely huge. And it was they were saying fitness exhibitions. I was like, fitness exhibition, okay. Right, who's running the biggest exhibitions in Scotland? So it was QD Events, uh, who run like the Scottish Wedding Show, Caravan Show, Iron Brew Carnival. Right. And so I just literally in that moment, I sent an email to QD Events just through their website, the form on their website. And I said, uh, I'm looking to run Scotland's biggest ever fitness exhibition. Um, any chance I can take somebody for a coffee and pick their brain for, for an hour. Um, I got a message back the next morning. This was like two in the morning. Got up in the morning, had a message saying, can you come and meet us at 12? Mm-hmm. Went and met them. They were great for like bouncing ideas off and helping financial forecasts and everything. Um, but then the fun really started of signing papers and committing to like a few hundred thousand pounds of outgoings yeah. for, the, for the first year with <laughs> zero in the bank. I don't come from money, <laughs> right? I'm just out of uni, uh, student loan debt, um, got a part-time job, barely paid the bills. Um, but I was like, right, if I commit to it, then I'll definitely do it. So mm. committed to all those outgoings. And then, uh, and then that was the point in which I started going, everybody's going to love this. Like, there's a huge one down south, but it's like just outside of London. There's nothing up here. Um, and uh, so I started trying to sell the stands, started trying to sell tickets and everything. And it wasn't working. And like, I 
so much pressure because committed to so much yeah. Yeah. and we couldn't sell a single stand um, because there's no track record. They were speaking to essentially kids. Um, yeah, no experience. Not even the market was uh, something that was super exciting to a lot of the companies that are based down in London. Yeah. So like the other ones on their doorstep as well. So they buy a stand from us. They also need to travel to it and bring staff and hotels and yeah. So it was a it was a big feat, and uh, and it was at that point that I was like, right, I need to bridge the gap here and f- find out how you actually market this type of show. Mm. And so I started buying uh, marketing courses and spending all night uh, on marketing courses, going to seminars and everything, and just learning self taught from scratch. And uh, and as soon as I started getting new information, putting it into action. I just instantly started getting results. Right. So I was seeing things about like uh, like influencer marketing, and it was like if you can use influencers uh, as leverage to make other other sales. And so I was like, right. So what I'll do is I'll go to a bunch of fitness celebrities. I'll message like fifty of them. Let's see if I can get any of them to come for free, and just like position it as Scotland's biggest air fitness exhibition. You'll be on the poster, etc. Um, and we got like five really big names mm-hmm. that said yeah I'll I'll come if you pay like like flights and hotels or um trains and hotels some somewhere in Scotland anyway so they were just like yeah that's fine um so I got a few names that I could then put on the website and then the dynamic of the emails changed uh, okay. when I would go to companies so I'd be able to say featuring this person, this person, this person, this person, and this person. Mm-hmm. And instantly there was more credibility in the email. Yeah. yeah. And so I did that and I started getting more interest. People were warmer, more receptive. And finally I got uh, got the first sale, which happened to be a huge name in the, in the sports supplement industry. It was mm-hmm. uh, USN. And, uh, and then from there, we only had one exhibitor. We had five famous athletes, but then the emails got even better because I could say such as USN. They didn't need to know there wasn't a second, third, fourth, fifth yeah, uh, yeah. exhibitor yet. <laughs> the great thing that they knew was the market leaders there. And at that point, everybody was receptive. Mm-hmm. And it was so much easier to sell the exhibition stands. Yeah. And once you then have a show that has famous athletes, it has lots of exhibitors, it has uh, the live events, which was uh, easy for us to put together then it was easy to start selling the tickets. Mm. And I was just using anything that I learned uh, from courses and blogs, YouTube videos, anything. Like I would just type in like 101 ways to market your business. And I, I would just like love reading these blogs that were just like full of ideas. Yeah, And I would read them. I would try them. It was the slow way to do it. Like when I look back now, I'm like, I wish I just like, went and invested in something that could have like bridged the gap quicker but mm-hmm. back then money wasn't like like falling around me yeah. uh, so I was just like it was like small wee mini courses online to learn very specific things that I'd seen in blogs as like go yeah. and do this go and do this go and do this yeah. and so from there it ended up growing and growing and growing to the point in which it got acquired after five years uh, by QD Events, who mm-hmm. I had that very first meeting with, yeah. which, which was a good like end to the story loop, I guess. Yeah. Um, Were you happy at this point? 
I I was happy to to not be running an exhibition. Yeah. If I'm honest, um, and that's not to say that running exhibitions is is uh, a bad thing. It just actually wasn't suited to me. Mm-hmm. It turned out that the thing that I was really good at was marketing. Yeah. And it wasn't um, like being a salesman, I guess, for exhibition stands or booking flights and booking speakers and like all the dynamics of actually running an event, cash flow, this, that, the next thing. The thing for me was uh, was marketing and yeah. uh, I'd found that niche pretty quickly. But it was after just the, the first show where some of the exhibitors started asking me, um, how did you manage to market the show? I didn't see any posters. I didn't see any billboards or anything like that but like but the room was full of people so they were Mm. happy so they were asking how did I do it and I was like oh just social media and then the next year the same question would come up and I'd say just social media and Facebook ads Mm -hmm. and then it was super super easy for them to just start asking me if I would start running campaigns for them my first ever client came to me as a as a gym uh, that was about to open Mm -hmm. it was a friend of one of the exhibitors Um, he was literally phone rang right to my mobile and it was just oh, is this Neil uh, Johnny said that you were the person to to speak to about running a Facebook ad campaign for us we've got a gym opening and Johnny had messaged me being like like work with these guys like mm-hmm. like this is quite a big project it's like a council run project it's mm-hmm. a big gym and so I was like oh man like I've ran my own stuff successfully <laughs> but running stuff for somebody else and the, the funny thing is is what's your day rate I was like, day rate? What What even is that? <laughs> like, a day rate? I yeah. mean, this is going to take me like a, a, like eight weeks maybe or something. Like, can I just give you like a package price? Yeah. Um, I took that on and I, I spent £4,000 on ads for them on the mm-hmm. campaign. Uh, and we made back 258900 and something in, in membership sales before Oof. the doors had opened. Yeah. Like a week before doors had even opened to the gym. That was banked. Yeah, uh, it's membership Good sales. Good return on investment. Yeah, yeah. And from there, I think taking me to capacity of like twelve clients, it must have taken about like four weeks or something. And I didn't tell people that I did this or anything. It was just word of mouth. Yeah, they That's told awesome. people, and from there, it was trying to run an exhibition, trying to run <laughs> Facebook ads and email <laughs> marketing for for different clients. And uh, so when I had the opportunity to sell the the exhibition. I got like probably like 80% of my time back. Yeah. And it gave me more capacity for for client work, stuff that I enjoyed. And then as soon as that hit capacity again, people would just ask me like, can you coach me instead then if you can't take me on? And so I saw the the scope for like coaching people, which Mm -hmm. is obviously the realm that I'm in now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad the event didn't turn out to be like the fire festival. <laughs> I know, Come in oh all this God. money and stuff and then just failure. Well, honestly, <laughs> it honestly, it could have, right? <laughs> the, a, a story I haven't really told anybody from, from the first year, like that this was absolutely wild, was we were just going into the first show. You usually have like two days of, no, actually we had uh, one, one and a half days of setup uh, for the show to get all the flooring down get all the exhibition stands the electrics the stages the lighting the banners all that jazz all built and uh we had done like a handshake deal with somebody for what is essentially about forty thousand pounds of protective flooring that we needed to have down for the strongman event the crossfit event um i think the les mills live classes um, and a few different things we were basically told you can't have people like throwing about 
uh, like massive barbells of weight and just having them smash on the floor. Yeah. Uh, so you need this protective flooring. We couldn't believe it when we saw the price of it. We did a sort of handshake deal uh, where we were like, we'll give you a stand. It'll be a prime location, great stand, big stand uh, in exchange for uh, what is essentially rent of this. Like you can take it away afterwards. It would have been more difficult for them to sell, obviously, mm-hmm. or they would have had to like secondhand it type thing. But But that was the deal. And everything was all good, and there was no sign of them. Like on the first on the first day, and we were trying to get hold of them. We got hold of them the next day, where doors opened uh, the following day, and uh, the person was like, "I'm so sorry." Like uh, the business partners are like, "We're not letting that amount of stock cleave the the room." Like you're wow. you're gonna have to pay forty k to basically buy it. Yeah. Um, well, it was like 42K or something. And we didn't have 42K in the bank at all. E- even like, th- this is like a tough thing of exhibitions is when you uh, when you sell tickets, especially when it's your first event, you don't get the money till after the event. Uh-huh. So even like things that we were using to build revenue, it was like a pot of money that we couldn't get to, mm-hmm. which was a nightmare. <laughs> oh man, it was tough. <laughs> but we, we had like 6K in the bank account at mm-hmm. that point, like actually available to us and uh the competitor of that person was also an exhibitor and he was downstairs and so we were just like our only way of solving this is if he wants to help us out mm-hmm. and so we went down he's literally setting up his stand and we we're like we've been let down and you know that this is a bit of a nightmare for us and everything he's like Look, I'm gonna sort it for you. Don't worry about this. And he literally got his phone out and he like phoned the office, put it put it on this stand right in front of us, put it on a speaker so we could hear the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, "Have you got uh, 356 of this size mat in in stock in Glasgow?" And they're like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, we we've got that." And it's like, um, "What's the cost price on that?" And then they were like, "Oh, like." five and a half thousand or something uh, as like their actual cost mm-hmm. um and then he, he was just like that put his hand over the phone and he just went um he went uh, like I've, I've got to make like 500 bucks on it or something so it actually can go through as a sale <laughs> he was like he's like if you got if you got have you got 6k that you can transfer now no way. <laughs> honestly right actually like pinpoint what we had he's like can you do like 6k it'll be delivered in the next half hour and that and we were like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we could do that. And then he actually, uh, he was like, "Oh, just ping it to the, to this address. The mats will all be here in half an hour, and like the show could go on." Because that was like a major part of marketing. The show yeah. was that we had like the Scottish Strongman Championships, a huge CrossFit event, and they actually just wouldn't have been able to go ahead. Um, That's crazy. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, it's like tip of the iceberg for everything that happened. <laughs> yeah. Our headline speaker came, came uh, got stopped at. Um, got stopped at customs mm-hmm. in uh, Glasgow airport, not having the right visa. Um, we had done a deal with him where we were almost making it like a family holiday. Mm-hmm. So he was coming over. It was uh, him, his wife, his son. He was coming over. We had flights, hotels, etc. but he wasn't getting actually paid. Mm-hmm. So like we weren't experienced with this anyway, but to the best of our knowledge, that meant that he didn't need like a paid visa because uh, we weren't actually exchanging money with him. And that's what he thought as well. And they were like, no, you're going to have to go back to America. And he was our headline speaker that we'd been marketing on the front of the poster. 
So in the run-up, the five-day run-up to the first show, instead of marketing the event, perfecting anything, even trying to sell uh, any like last-minute stand space to generate last-minute revenue mm -hmm. um, with local businesses or anything, we spent that last week in uh, lawyers' offices uh, working with a specialist immigration lawyer to get that overturned. And it got overturned the night before yeah. the show. My God. Talking about events is making me have heart palpitations. <laughs> oh, I do not like this at all. Honestly, oh my God. you see every time I get like stressed out about anything in business, like uh, like being about to run a two-day mentorship, right, which yeah. I know is going to be super full-on. It's got to be so tight with every minute so that we achieve everything that they need to achieve in those two days. Mm -hmm. And that can like have a little bit of stress. Honestly, it all goes away when I just think to myself, what would it be like if instead of running this, I was about to run <laughs> another exhibition uh, in two days' time? Yeah. Yep. A little bit of warning before you push the button, Greg, would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to use eye contact to warn you. No, no segue there. Okay, so let's let's start talking about why you're here. For those who don't know you, do you want to tell our listeners who you are and what you do in case they don't already know okay. or haven't guessed it by the chat so far? <laughs> <laughs> All good. So uh, I'm a digital marketing consultant and coach. Uh, I help uh, entrepreneurs, mainly coaches, experts and consultants uh, of any kind um, or people who sell something over the price of £500 get an abundance of leads and sales into the business. I help them by showing them social media strategies, uh, email marketing, but the key thing is I teach them very quickly in the simplest way possible, Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. um, big difference between me and a lot of people uh, in, in my industry, which I see because I asked the question on my book a call form, why did you want to work with Neil over other marketing and business coaches? It's because I don't flash the Rolexes, I don't uh, <laughs> uh, lie naked across Lamborghinis that I don't own and take mm -hmm. uh, photo shoots on private jets that are static. Um, <laughs> and I also come from the background of being a business owner first. Yeah. So I understand money in versus money out. I'm mm -hmm. not just going to talk about, you know, a great way to Im improve your reach and get in front of more people. I'm literally talking about this is a way that you get more money and more profitability into the business. Yeah. yeah. And the, the thing that I love about this is the fact that you didn't, you didn't study this no you have i guess developed yourself through doing this on a day-to-day -day basis yeah yeah absolutely um, which is pretty cool because i always like for some reason what you studied seems to be quite an important question for people to to be like oh so you you've studied this at university that's what i get every time when yeah. i meet somebody like I, I mean i get it but like I don't know. If How old a, are we now? I don't know if that's a generational thing, though. It, okay. I think it's dying out a wee bit that you don't have to get a degree nowadays. Yeah. Like our parents' generation were always like, well, I wasn't forced to go to university, but it was like, it was understood that you go school, university, job. Mm. Nowadays, I think the younger people, I want to include us in that, <laughs> we're not are anymore. kind of seeing other routes to work, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. My parents didn't want me to do business at uni like oh, really? I, I actually I, I semi looked into it as an interest point like when I was really young like I was the type of person that would like try and sell stuff in primary school like around the school and okay uh, like at the weekends I would like go around washing neighbors cars and 
like just knocking on doors and being like, can I wash your car for five bucks? Uh, and then I started like picking Wilkes down by the seashore and selling them to the uh, to the local fish factory oh, yeah. as well. Uh, that was all like when I was like 10, 11. Like, so it, it's all because of my granda. So he like was, he was the manager of the fish factory. Where that's how I got that idea. Mm-hmm. But like, I always like saw him and it, Back then, I didn't know the difference between a manager and like the owner of a business. So I always thought he was like an entrepreneur, business sure. owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like super interested, saw him as like the role model. And uh, so I totally went down that route. And so it was always ingrained in me that I always thought that down the line, I would create like my own like official business. Yeah. Um, but just like every sort of parent that isn't in business themselves, like they never want their kid to go and start a business. Because it's just high risk. Mm. And that's what business is, to be fair. It's high risk, high reward. Um, that Well, that's what you're aiming for. Um, <laughs> high risk, got often low reward. Um, yeah. But you're you're taking that risk for, for the higher reward on the outside, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the majority of parents don't, don't tend to want to see their their kids starting up businesses just because they worry about them um and so when i said oh i'm interested in doing business at university i was kind of i was kind of suggested away from it um but it but it also didn't matter because i didn't study uh business in high school because if i had studied business in high school i wasn't able to do biology which i was really interested in yeah right yeah so is that mixed with the sports science background? Yeah, like I, I, I've always been super interested in in science. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked maths. I liked fitness. I did. I kind of like, I kind of like the detailed aspects of sport and how it is all sort of like mathematical. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing. Like I kind of like breaking down sport when I'm playing it yeah. and thinking about like things like momentum. And mm-hmm. like if I can create momentum with somebody when they move this way, then it opens up to go this way type thing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's a bit of a weird one. I haven't really ever spoken that out before, so it doesn't sound <laughs> very polished. But uh, I, I get it. It's kind of like a um, Moneyball yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. Like and looking at stats and figures and exactly. And it's kind of like why why I've got obsessed with jujitsu. Right when you go into somewhere uh, like a jujitsu gym. Mm-hmm. Like people think they're gonna go in and it's just full of like savages. It is full of just geeky killers. <laughs> geeky killers. Yeah, Holy shit. it's oh, okay. just full of geeks. Honestly, and like it's because it's so methodical, tactical, and so it's like it's almost like a brain game. And mm-hmm. like the way Joe Rogan um, describes it is uh, high level problem solving with dire physical consequences. <laughs> uh, and like when he said that, I was like, that sounds so appealing yeah and uh man i i would say anybody listening male or female go and do a jiu-jitsu class mm. you will find a new passion in life that will have you utterly obsessed <laughs> it's uh it's the best escape ever yeah there's a one of the coaches in improve uh lewis he does jiu-jitsu i he? i've uh rolled with lewis Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, but yeah. I, so I can see what you mean. Like he's the loveliest guy. Yeah. But deep down, I look into his eyes. I'm like, he's a you could, killer. You, you could kill me, man. You could kill me. Yeah. He he he's all, he's also like big, heavy, yeah. strong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh man, my world is getting smaller and smaller every day. <laughs> uh, 
So Are I you was, my brother? <laughs> I mean, I can't grow a beard, so I don't think so. Um, I was obviously checking out your website, and on your website it says, Profit First, Tried and Tested Online Marketing Strategies Used to Generate Millions for SMBs. And I'm looking at the picture that's on it. You're coming out of, I don't know where the building is, Savoy? Down, down, down London, yeah. Yeah, and you've got the, you've got the, uh, the, you're holding this big bag and your camera tripod and you've got this fucking swag, like the biggest swag I've ever <laughs> seen. And I'm like, SMBs, SMBs. All I could think of, sons of motherfucking bitches. And that's <laughs> all I could think of. Like with this guy, I'm like, and I still don't know. He turned around to me a couple of days ago and went, what's SMB stand for? That is like, great well, feedback because that'll be in business. Changed. I was like, in business, it's small to medium businesses. What, where where are you getting it from? What do you want to know about it? He's like, oh, I thought it was sons of motherfucking bitches. <laughs> that is so good. Oh, but yeah, uh, I just saw that picture. I was like, I can't think of anything I'm, else I'm, now. I'm going like, to keep SMBs, but then I'm going to have below it like brackets, sons of motherfucking bitches. <laughs> so uh, what, what is this part of your website, the profit first idea or whatever well it's a, it's something that really pissed me off about the entire market and it it quickly became apparent that that's what all of my customers liked about working with me was that i came from the business background and not a marketing background so i didn't talk about fluff and vanity metrics yeah i purely talked about money in versus money out mm-hmm. and it was like you can pay me this and i will bring you this amount more back into your bank account by the end of each month and yeah, it just, it really annoyed me when I would see like experts out there who were charging like thousands of pounds for courses that were all based around like clicks and impressions and this, that and the other, yeah. mm-hmm. where there was never any just money in versus money out talk, which yeah. was the only thing anybody cares about and why they take a marketing course in the first place. Mm-hmm. The wedding industry is a really interesting thing for that because Money in, money out doesn't always come into play. Like a lot of people talk about likes, reach, and engagement. The vanity metrics are quite prominent in the wedding industry. Yeah, they're very high. Yeah, and I and I've seen that because I've like I've spoken to people in the wedding industry. Literally this morning, somebody joined the sixteen week digital marketing program, who's uh, a wedding band. Um, okay. so I had the call yesterday, and I I, I know that this sort of stuff come, comes up uh, mm. naturally, but it's important to everybody. Before a lot of the time, before they even actually have the chat with me, mm-hmm. that is the type of stuff that they're they're speaking about. So yeah. of course they're like, we want more leads, we want more sales. But a lot of the time, they're talking quite proudly about like, you know, we get we get like this many views on our videos, and we get like this many likes and this many uh, comments and and everything. And there's there is a there's absolutely a use for it, and there's a reason to strive to have more likes and more comments and engagement and everything because it affects the business long term like if you've got more engagement and you run facebook ads you can run ads to the people who have been engaging with your content that's like one of the easiest ways you'll ever get leads into your business the other thing is that uh the content that you're actually uh putting out there will affect like leads and sales that are coming in as well not just from adverts and then the third thing is if you've actually got likes comments shares followers it's social proof. Yeah. Mm. So if somebody sees your advert and sees you for the first time and jumps over to your Instagram page, if you've got 10,000 likes instead of 82 likes, you're more likely to get the lead actually coming in at that point. So there is there is a reason for these things, mm-hmm. 
but at the end of the day you can't get too excited about having more followers than you had yesterday if no leads came in in that 24 hours mm-hmm. so when you get hired to manage someone's social media what is the sort of thing that you look at first the first thing i look at is what they've done in the past and mm-hmm. look for any clues as to what's worked okay there's a lot of clues in what you've done so far in business to see what's worked what hasn't and like the way that i talk about facebook ads but it's but it's basically marketing in general in a nutshell is test broadly act accordingly so right. you test a load of things and you have to be able to measure it Mm-hmm. So you measure the things that brought in the leads, the things that brought in the sales, the things that brought in the dream customers that you would like to work with more. And you scale those up and you remove the things that didn't work. That's as simple as this whole marketing thing needs to be. Yeah. But people think they need to overcomplicate it or a good example is like and anybody can use this one and you'll probably get leads or sales like today. It's it's awesome. So if you're using Instagram, the wedding industry very prominent on Instagram. Uh, inside your stories, ask a, a leading question on top of a poll where people can answer uh, one of two ways. So you could either ask something that's very direct, like, are you uh, are you engaged right now, for example, um, and then contact everybody that says yes, or you could actually um, have a more thought-provoking question about, um, let's say, like a wedding band or photography or whatever. Instagram gives you two buttons there. It's super high opt-ins. People click it not knowing you're ever going to get in touch with them, but they've almost just pre-qualified themselves for a great conversation starter. So if somebody says, uh, yep, like you could say, have you got engaged and then have the buttons as within the last six months or uh, more than six months. Mm -hmm. And then you could contact every single one and say, thanks so much for engaging with the poll. Uh, I see that you uh, said that you got engaged within the last six months have you already uh, sorted out a wedding band and start the conversation there? Yeah. Why don't we jump on a call or do you want to take a look at this and then get, get the conversation going? Mm-hmm. Whenever I share that from stage, podcast, whatever, like people on this podcast will go and do this and then message me on, on Instagram and say, this is what happened. Yeah. People rarely do it a second time. Mm, okay. So it works and I need to always remind them, you know, you can do this again. <laughs> like, first of all, you could ask the exact same question in a week's time, two weeks time or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could put it into your your monthly plan of how you go and get leads. The second thing is you could do a poll every day. You just change the question and you message the people that didn't reply to the first one. Yeah, And you can see when you go to message them, if you've had the conversation before mm-hmm. and it's a great way to take people who are currently considering buying your services or possibly even hang on your every word, but don't engage with your content, haven't reached out, haven't booked a call with you to actually like bring the conversation to them without just doing outreach mm-hmm. and just, you know, out, like business messages you out of nowhere, very invasive. Whereas if you have like pre-qualified yourself yeah, and they use it as like a really nice intro of like, thanks so much for for engaging with the poll, it really helps us understand uh, the type of people that we we're sharing content with. Just out of curiosity, have you uh, have you already booked your wedding photographer yeah. or your wedding videographer? Yeah, that engagement on the poll just sort of warms the lead up slightly. Yeah, gives you that thread to pull on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. As long as you go in with with that sort of method there of thanking them for engaging with the poll, and then it's just a sort of just out of interest. Like, have you already sorted out your wedding florist? Mm-hmm. Like. 
like it's so easy to get that conversation started and conversations sell better than anything yeah like no matter how good your facebook ads are how well they're set up how many clicks they get even uh how many people hit the the sales pages or even the checkout pages Mm -hmm. it won't be close to if you were having conversations with people before the purchase yeah big time Mm. and so if you can actually start the conversation and it not seem invasive because you're thanking them for their engagement and uh, discussing what they've told you, Mm -hmm. uh, it's the easiest conversation starter. And it just leads to booked calls that are more talking about the service and you get a better connection with them Mm. that lead to purchases. That's very cool. You mentioned that in your podcast, didn't you? Yeah. Because I remember I was listening to the day and you were talking about uh, was it rump steak versus fillet steak? Yeah, something that 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 was the first time I ever used it, which was probably the worst way you could ever use it, and it still worked. Yeah. So, like, literally, a client who sold meat boxes that came uh, delivered by courier, um, and I literally did an Instagram poll with a picture of a steak, and I said, "What do you rather, rump steak or fillet steak, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, rump steak or sirloin steak? I think it was." Um, and then I literally had a URL for both of them um, that had like a 40% off deal on a massive box of rumper uh, sirloin steaks. Mm-hmm. And I said, thanks so much for engaging with the poll. It really helps us understand uh, our followers. Um, for your engagement, here's a, a private link that's not on the website for uh, 40% off rump steak if they'd said rump steak or 40% off sirloin steak if they'd said that. Mm-hmm. The sales were incredible. And I was like, this would be so great for other <laughs> clients. Like, this is probably the hardest way that I could have used it to sell meat. <laughs> yeah. Like, and when you're in the the wedding industry where it's premium priced services and you actually just need conversation starters with your, your perfect client, mm-hmm. somebody who is recently engaged, it is such an awesome way to draw people into those conversations that ultimately lead to sales. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I actually, yeah. I'm I'm a fan of your podcast and your YouTube. Thanks um, very much. You're a shoney pony. I, I'm a shoney. I'm <laughs> the number one shoney pony. Uh, if there's anyone out there who hasn't checked out Neil's uh, podcast, The Shoney Show, totally go and check out because it's filled with little tips like that. Yeah, it's, like, it's, 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 it's all, awesome. It's always just like three ways to do this, three mm-hmm. ways to do this, three ways to do this. Um, Very clickbaity titles. Yeah. That's, but, what, that's what got yeah. me. And I'm like, oh, I know it's clickbait. He knows, <laughs> I'm, he knows I'm drawing in. He's doing this on purpose. It's fine. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, but yeah, I noticed uh, you haven't put up a YouTube video in like three months or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so having like, uh, so I got married in November, mm-hmm. which is exactly three months ago now. Literally to the, to the day almost funnily enough um so three months and then literally since the wedding sort of moving out to new york Mm -hmm. um and then when we went over no green card or anything so it's like uh, over there no house sorted yet so we're staying with adriana's sister and we literally uh, closed in the house like five days ago in in new york so if they let me back into the country (laughs) uh next week then i've like we've got home which is great um but that that meant that like I didn't have any filming sort of spaces or anything, mm-hmm. which is why when I come to Glasgow at the minute, it's like I f- filmed yesterday with my videographer for um, for three hours. I had uh, 30 video titles for social media and I was like, right, we're just going to do blah, 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 right from start to finish. Yeah. And we literally just rattled out 30 
he's going to edit them, send me uh, 30 social media videos. And uh, yeah, it, it was basically, I didn't have the resources to, to make it happen out there. Yeah. The way that I want wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'm all about repurposing all your content. Yeah. So take any piece of content, turn it into other pieces of content so you can really get the benefit out of it. Mm-hmm. And so like for, for me, I just turn the camera on and now that becomes YouTube content yeah. and it becomes Instagram clips and it becomes Facebook clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know, for, for me, because I've already gone with that method, I kind of feel like if I don't have the camera rolling for me, yeah, it do, like I'll feel like I've only done half a podcast, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So I'm only putting it out on iTunes and Spotify, etc. when I know just like you said there, you've watched the YouTube videos. Yeah. So I know people watch the YouTube videos. And I think because it's like a personal branding type thing, like when you're in an expert coaching consulting business, it's also the the person the person and like people kinda like watching the videos yeah. and, and stuff for that. Well, reason. It's quite nice because you're you're speaking directly to yeah. the viewer. So yeah. it's quite nice. So you seem a you seem more genuine and yeah, being Scottish, you speak like me. Yeah, although, well, I don't know. I've got a weird accent, so I don't know if you notice you know. as well. Like, it, they're like one hundred percent unedited as well. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, there, there's actually one, and people message me this all the time. Oh, do you know that you've got a video that does this? There's actually one where I get really annoyed at myself because <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought, and oh. I and I just I literally stop, and I'm just like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> And I literally, like, I sit myself back up, I, like, take a deep breath, and then I go back into the same point again. And I and I haven't edited it. And, uh, yeah, people are like, oh, you forgot to take that bit out. I'm like, they're all unedited. I don't care. Yeah. Like, they're just they're just there. Like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that, that's cool. Uh, in fact, I was recently watching another YouTube video where the guy was talking about, I can't even remember who it was, but he was like, he obviously highly edits everything. And obviously YouTube famous for like its jump cuts, you know, but he was <laughs> like just talking to the camera and he'd stop and be like, ah, oh. and then for like 10 seconds, you can just see him thinking, what am I going to do here? <laughs> he gets some juggling balls and he's like juggling for like an outtake so he can splice it in. I'm like, Jesus, this is haphazard the way you're doing this, man. But you know, each each their own. Oh yeah. Um. So let's talk about this idea. I, I genuinely want to know if this is a misconception that people think of, but uh, build it and they will come. What's your thoughts on this idea? Uh, I don't think it works for ninety nine point nine percent of the business world. Mm-hmm. I think uh, your ability to market is directly proportional to to uh, the level of business that you're going to get. Um, there's a few businesses that are semi-famous for not marketing, albeit that they do have marketing strategies in place. Mm-hmm. Example, Uber. But Uber oh. is completely revolutionary. Mm-hmm. It is an incredible service and they do have marketing systems in place. So they actually do market now. They do run traffic now. They do uh, do billboards and stuff now. Yeah. But they were famous for not doing it for so long and and growing really quickly but there's huge word of mouth first of all Mm. which which they create the second thing is that they had um, referral processes in place so if you refer a friend to just download the app Mm -hmm. you would get a 10 pound ride for free so that's a very like viral marketing system that they've got in place yeah uh, in which you would get push notifications so you couldn't not see it 
had constant reminders that you can continue to build up that £10 free ride until the point in which the majority of the city was saturated and now you no longer get them. So whenever they go into a new city, the first people, the early adopters that download it, like everybody's like excited when Uber's about to come to like a new city. (laughs) So like people are talking about it. They'll talk about it on Instagram, on stories, on Facebook. They're like, Uber's coming tomorrow to the city, can't wait. Then they'll download it and they'll be talking about that as well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's loads of marketing stuff, even in companies that are famous for not marketing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that is still what I would consider as like the 0.0001% mm-hmm. is an Uber. I mean, like we can't really use Uber as an example of <laughs> yeah. everybody who's listening here, for example. Yeah. When you're in a normal business and you're not Uber and you're not... uh what they would call a unicorn business because they're so rare, your ability to market your product and service is going to be directly proportional to the amount of leads you you have coming in, the quality of those leads, are the dream clients or are they going to be time wasters? Are they going to be troublesome clients? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then how much money you ultimately make within the business. Yeah. Obviously, off camera, we mentioned, obviously, the wedding industry, for the most part, is a service industry. I can't remember where I grabbed this from. Oh, it's your LinkedIn. Sorry. Uh, you teach entrepreneurs confused by digital marketing the fastest and easiest route to profitable ads, emails, and socials so they can scale. What does scale mean to anyone who might not understand? And how can you scale a service business? Service-based businesses specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose it's the same for, for both. Service-based businesses are just so unbelievably easy to scale okay like you you just need a few like i would typically say the first thing that anybody needs is one simple way that somebody takes action to get the ball rolling with you so some people will be saying book a call with me dm me pick up the phone to me and it's all confusing mm-hmm. and confusion kills conversions like anything okay. so having like one key thing that you always want somebody to do you fill in this application form you fill in this application form you fill in this application form You say it at the end of your social medias. You say it in your Instagram polls. You say it uh, on your ads. You're sending people to the application. And that's how you sort of measure how many leads are coming in. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking to to scale, what I mean by scaling is essentially going from where you are now to where you want to be in in the next sort of 12 months. Mm -hmm. And that usually refers to uh, the amount of business that you want to come in. Mm -hmm. So the actual amount of customers that you want to serve over the year. And the second thing is the revenue. Third thing is the profitability, which obviously all walk hand in hand together to some extent. Um, So most people come to me and they'll say, uh, I've got a business running. We have dabbled with Facebook ads. We don't know if they were even profitable. Mm -hmm. Um, We've hit the boost button a few times. Um, And what we really want is we want to go from uh, serving one wedding every four weeks to serving at least one wedding every weekend of the year. Mm -hmm. And so I'll say, how many leads do you have coming in per week? And they'll tell me. I'll say, well, that's probably the first issue. You don't have enough leads coming in. So you have to close possibly 100% of leads to mm-hmm. be able to serve the the scale that you want. So we need to increase the leads by 4x. And so what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to have your singular call to action. And that's going to be the thing you're talking about all the time on your social media. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have uh, a clear, compelling offer. So why would somebody actually want to work with you? Not just like, we've got great ads now, so 
it solves every problem <laughs> why would somebody actually want to work with you as yeah. a, a wedding videographer for example mm-hmm. like having that that clearly stated um then you need the the systems in place to actually drive traffic to however they get started with you is it a conversation in facebook messenger is it a booked call is it picking up the phone whatever it is you want all systems pointing there yeah mm-hmm. and it's it's really as simple as that when you have the stepping stones in place to get somebody from a complete stranger to a paying customer, you are literally just firing traffic towards that right there. And in the wedding industry, it's like it's never easier than with Facebook ads because you can literally put adverts out to people who have become engaged in the last three months, six months, nine months, you define it. Yeah. So if if you know that the best people for you to speak to are people who live within this demographical area, uh, who are female, who uh, who got engaged within the last three months, you can literally only target those people. Yeah. Never mind the fact that you can also remarket. So you could have a separate mm-hmm. campaign for people who have visited your website in the last seven days, but didn't book a, book a call with you. Mm-hmm. And you can hit them with proof. So you can show them videos of weddings that you've done in the past or images of uh, weddings you've done in the past and yeah. get them back to that book a call form. Mm-hmm. I know that you mentioned your now wife did a lot of this sort of booking stuff, but yeah. in the engagement process, did you notice any ads getting targeted to you or yeah. to her? Any that stuck out? Yeah, I I got uh, I got a lot of adverts uh, coming to me at that point, but I also had a lot of um, a lot of wedding service based businesses starting to follow me right. on Instagram as well so they were obviously going through like hashtags of when they saw uh maybe like Akinagirin Estate or something like like when we were visiting the wedding venue putting up a post about it and so they were obviously like going into anybody who had hashtagged like engaged uh uh, Akinagirin Estate etc and then following all those people and engaging with them uh, which was a good strategy for them as well Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of these conversations about people if it's not about Facebook ads and their disbelief that Facebook's still a thing now. It's the fact that people just don't like selling. Yeah. Yeah, they they they, they find it icky. I've got like, the solution for it. Like <laughs> what why 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 do people not like to sell? It's uh I think it's hard grained. Like for for me it's exactly the same thing. I actually had somebody on my mentorship program who'd been through the 16 week program as well Mm -hmm. and she literally pulled me aside at one point and she was like you need to start getting more comfortable with sales she was like every business owner should be on this program and she was like and you don't want to sell it you you want people to just be able to join whenever they want and, and everything when she said that and it just like flicked a switch I started running lots of traffic to us, uh, book a call page, fill in the calendar and starting to sell. Mm-hmm. And that's when everything exploded. But that was just because it's hard grained in me that I don't like taking money off of people. Yeah. It's like an awkward feeling. I hate discussing money. I like it's why I don't do all the things that we were saying that uh, people say that they uh they hate about other marketers basically of like the Lamborghinis and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um why I would never try to be overly flashy or um, show a lifestyle that wasn't true or yeah. any of that jazz. It's just not my style to to sell. I know mm-hmm. it is 
one of the most important skills in business is the ability to to sell. But the solution that I have and the solution that I teach everybody inside the program and the mentorship, as well as the solution right here for anybody listening who doesn't like selling, is stop thinking about it as what is the cost per lead? And it's now what is the cost per high quality lead? So you can spend maybe three times as much to get the right person on the phone who already knows the price point, mm-hmm. who's already highly qualified. It takes an average of eight and a half minutes to fill in my book a call form. There's 15 questions. It's highly detailed. It uh, says, do you know the price point of the program is X? Yeah. All those things. So when I get on the call with people, it's almost a formality now. We're just getting to know each other for half an hour and I get to know their business before we get started on the program. Right. There's never the question of how much is it again? Or, you know, uh, yeah, I'll be able to afford it in a few months. Like almost always I'm getting on the call with somebody mm. that knows that they're signing up that day. There's no question about price and therefore I'm not selling. Yeah, And it's a great position to be in. Now it might cost me, like if I didn't tell anybody the price, it would maybe cost me 25 bucks to get a, a booked call to discuss the program. Whereas... On average, I think it costs like, I think it's like seven, 70 to 75 bucks per, per booked call to discuss a program that's £1,500 or the mentorship, which is a higher price yeah. product in which they've said on the form, yes, I can afford it. Yes, I'm ready to take action. And they've highly qualified themselves by taking eight and a half minutes on average to fill in the form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, a, they're a dream client at that point. Yeah, they're committed because they've put in that effort of... Exactly. Eight minutes online on someone's website is quite a long time. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll often get people fill in the book a call form. Like my diary's full for the next uh, week and a half at the moment um, before the next call time is available. So when I send out the, the Calendly link after they fill in the form, um, I'll often get people message me back saying, can you squeeze me in tomorrow or squeeze me in the next day? Yeah. Because they just want to get started. Mm. But it's because I've attracted the right people and put them through the systems. There'll be a drop-off rate on that form that will be crazy. <laughs> the, uh, probably like 99 out of every 100 people like probably don't complete the yeah. form. Mm-hmm. But every time I get a message saying somebody's filled in the type form, I'm almost looking at it as there's already money in the bank, even though there isn't. Yeah, They're super highly qualified. So if anybody's listening, they, they don't like... Uh, they don't like selling to people they don't like discussing price they don't like people in the go- that's a big one in, especially in the wedding industry they don't like people negotiating on their their price mm-hmm. great thing to do make it highly qualified calls to so drive traffic to a form that starts them with intrigue has them ending it completely sold yeah you can ask great questions on that form that aren't just uh, gathering information but are actually putting them through a sales process there instead mm-hmm. so you can ask a question like um other than getting great, uh, other than getting a great video uh, of your wedding day, how else could this service help you in your wedding uh, wedding planning process? Saving time, saving stress, saving confusion, like all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Layer on top of them in a questionnaire, all the things that they probably aren't considering as a great reason to work with you as a professional. Yeah. So it's a premium price product. Mm-hmm. There's people that are cheaper than you out there, that are less experienced, that don't know the wedding venue, that don't know this, that, the other. Um, so how 
how would working with us who are uh, highly experienced that have done over this many weddings that have two members of staff instead of one person holding a camera, Mm -hmm. how could that help you other than delivering a great product? Saving the time, saving stress, saving confusion, all of the above. Mm. That sort of question in in a form like that highlights like so many reasons why somebody should be taking action. Yeah. So yeah. I'll I'll say like other than increasing uh, uh, your revenue and profitability in the business, how else could this program help you? Mm. Saving stress, saving time, saving confusion, uh, giving you a a group of like minded entrepreneurs to to work with uh, the accountability by Neil, all those types of things as well. Yeah. Mm. You mentioned earlier, this always seems to be a big one in all the blogs, right? To show your price or not to show your price. What advice to people who are sitting there going, oh, I don't show my price or maybe I, you know, maybe the, what if I did this? So if you don't show your price and you have good systems in place, you will have a diary full of book calls. But you'll be going on to every call with anxiety, knowing that you're about to speak to somebody who isn't highly qualified, that doesn't yet know the price, who is now going to negotiate on the price. Whereas you might have a fifth of the people booking calls, but they're people who do know the price, who can afford the service, who aren't going to negotiate. That stuff's all taken care of before Mm -hmm. you get on the call. You enjoy the calls, you enjoy the people you're working with, and it's a much simpler process. Example, I have the price in my ads, I have the price on the the form, I have the price in the email they get after the form uh, before they get on the call. Mm -hmm. It's never brought up on on the call, ever. Ross's ads that we're talking about for Improve Glasgow, we literally have the price on the ad, we have the price on the landing page. It's the first thing they see on the landing page mm. is literally a statement with the price underneath saying £139 dash 30 days. Yeah. And the thing is, I run ads for businesses like Ross mm-hmm. who do like to just be on the phone nonstop. I think they like the feeling of having a busy calendar, seeing leads consistently coming in. Yeah. And for them that's a better feeling than, you know, saving their time. Whereas Ross is uh, like really methodical about what he does with his time. He wants to be on the phone with high quality leads. Yeah. So Ross is willing to spend three or four times the amount to get a lead in because Mm -hmm. he doesn't care about the dashboard. Yeah. He doesn't care about the likes, comments, shares or anything like that. All he cares about is money in versus money out. Not all he cares about, but yeah. it, when it comes to the service that I provide yeah. for him of bringing him leads, he's caring how much are we spending on uh, on our marketing budget and how much money does that bring back into the business? Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. So you'll never see him ask me like, like, uh, is there a way of us lowering the cost per lead? Like he knows that the answer is yes if we remove the price, if yeah. we don't talk about any of these stumbling blocks of being a perfect client but he just ends up on the phone with high quality people who are often like we've also got the system in place now where after they book a call they have the option to skip the call and book in for their first session yeah um and he said a huge percentage of people actually do that so it saved him even more time but it's because we're attracting the right people Mm. they know they can afford it they know they want it they know they want to get started 
Yeah. Uh, so I was having this conversation with him and he told me how much he spent. And I was like, wow, we're all small businesses. His businesses is not to the same as ours. So when he said that, I was like, wow, that is a lot of money per month. But he was like, but if it's just the quality of those leads and if he could get a better quality of lead faster or have more of an output by spending more money, he would spend as much as he needed uh, to get that final number. Yeah. And I was like, oh, a lot of people, a lot of people that we speak to in this industry, obviously they're doing everything themselves. Usually they're sole traders or freelancers. They don't think of it that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the big thing here is it's marketing maths. Mm. And there's a few different stages of marketing maths. I like to think of it as like four stages, but the first stage is like the money in versus money out up front. So for Ross, that's £139 for mm. the trial. Uh, so how much do we spend? How much do we get in? This is where most people get it wrong, where that's all they think about. And they think they're either profitable or losing money based on that number. Mm. But Ross knows by years of data how many people on average sign up for 12 months afterwards. And he also knows on average the lifetime value of a customer, yeah. mm. which might be six months, eight months, 12 months, whatever it may be. Yeah. So if I was to say to most people, and I've been in this position with uh, with gyms of, of Ross's uh, type of gyms, so small group personal training facilities, where I'm saying to them, just like Ross, we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is I'll get you as many people through the door as physically possible in a single month as paying customers at the price of the trial. So if I was only going to bring you a few leads in, mm -hmm. like a few sales in, I could get it at much lower. But if we're going to scale up, it's going to cost more to scale. Um, it's going to be colder traffic that we have to reach out to to acquire the customers. But it's going to be that the target here is to get, uh, at the end of the month, as many people through the door as possible as paying trialists, in which our ad spend is the same as the amount of money that you've made. Now, for some people, that would freak them out. But for Ross, because he understands market mass, I never had to explain yeah. this to him. He just knew this. Mm -hmm. Month two, month three, month four, month five, month six, month seven, month eight is 100% profitability. Mm -hmm. So especially if you have any sort of product in which uh, there's sales to, to happen down the line or like in the wedding industry, you could get this this wrong in the same sense by only looking at it as how much you spent and how much the deposit was and not thinking about the the actual value of the the product mm -hmm. by the end um so that that that's like such a a key thing and that's why Ross can get to that scalability of spending a lot of money on ads mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that's pretty cool let's let's talk about the platforms that are available for people to attract those clients to their sort of form or whatever what ones are available and what are the benefits of them to people for the traffic or the form itself the traffic the traffic uh so you've got your social media platforms obviously so i would be saying that instagram's a huge one for for wedding industry uh also just the the sort of demographic and age of people who yeah. typically get married that sort of settled as instagram now facebook has sort of aged up a wee bit but there's still plenty of people who are on Facebook who are becoming engaged as well. And of course, with your Facebook and your Instagram profiles linked, if somebody's engaged on Facebook, they're engaged on Instagram as well. So you can still target them there. So of course, uh, your social media platforms for one is yeah. something 
that you need to be using as a as a way of lead genning, getting people in, getting attention. And there's some like great strategies you can do there, like right away by, you know, sharing uh, sharing images and videos of people that you've done weddings for prior. And when you do it, tag them. And so like tag them in your Instagram story so that they then share it into their stories. Mm-hmm. And if they're a female who's 27, who's just got married, she's got a whole bunch of friends there that were at the wedding who follow her social media pages, who saw how great the photos are, are now seeing even more proof of it, who would consider just going down the route of who their friend used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, loads of people who we actually ended up going with were recommendations from other people. Like our our wedding photographers, um, w- one of my best friends, who's one of my groomsmen, he recently used them in his wedding the year yeah. prior. So uh, you can actually even organically lead source by making it part of your 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 content strategy to simply share the great stuff that you've done for other weddings in the past, but get their attention so they then share it into their profiles as well. Mm. It's great for your followers because they just see proof, proof, proof. We do a great job. We're super busy. That's what people want in like... The last thing you want is anything to go wrong in your wedding day. You don't <laughs> yeah. get a second chance at it for most people, right? Yeah. And therefore, you are willing to spend for the confidence that things won't go wrong. That's a big thing of what you're you're spending uh, on yeah. on the wedding. It and that is almost one hundred percent based on proof. Mm. The proof through imagery and videos that you've done this before and it looks good. Second of all, that your customers love working with you. So you could be sharing quotes. Like if somebody writes a review on Facebook, screenshot it, put it out on your Instagram stories. Say it was so seamless. Uh, We just got the video. It was absolutely incredible. We're going to cherish this for life. Share that into your stories because people who are considering working with you right now are the people who are watching your stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The industries in which I work in, I don't think there's anything as pinpoint as being able to target people who have recently become engaged <laughs> and you're in the wedding industry. Yeah. yeah. That is just a sensational win on your part. <laughs> and if you are not Facebook advertising to get those leads in, first of all, you just need to be doing it. Second of all, you can start at three pounds per day. And when you understand the value of your service and what you're willing to spend to acquire a customer, at that point, you'll see there's a big gap in which you could spend money to acquire a customer. If you've got a service and, you know, it's £2,000 or £2,500, could you spend £200 to acquire an absolute belter of a client? For the most part, yes. Yeah. Mm. If you're spending £3 a day on really highly targeted people, you've actually, <laughs> what, what have you got there? Like like a month and a half of ad spend or something? You're just going to be lead yeah. genning, lead genning, lead genning. And it's well below what you're willing to spend to actually acquire the customer. Mm. And Facebook ads are are simple. They're just made complicated in people's heads because they don't have any direction with it. So if you go to the Facebook ads dashboard, it might seem complicated because there's you go to the drop down and there's like there's like thirty five different options of things that you can do. Mm. But there's only a couple of things that you even should do. Okay. So it's made complicated because there's a million different things yeah. that are right in front of you as options. Mm-hmm. But there's only a couple of things that you should do. You should realistically be running uh, running adverts to either 
your engaged audiences, people who already know who you are, who have recently engaged with you, um, to get them back to book calls with you. Yep. Or second of all, you should be running it to cold traffic that are highly targeted, like people who are engaged. Mm-hmm. And again, three bucks per day, test broadly, act accordingly. Yeah. yeah. When, when you see that people who are uh, engaged in uh, the last six months actually outperform people who have become engaged in the last three months, you just act accordingly. Mm-hmm. You put all the money behind the, behind the second audience that were working better. You yep. remove the first audience. Like that, that's all you, all you have to do with Facebook ads. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big one for tracking inquiries and numbers and stuff. There was somebody posted in a Facebook group last night about a spreadsheet that's been created. And I was like, yes, I love that. <laughs> I've got one that I've got loads, but one of them keeps track of like a booking and our expenses. And part of the column is to allocate a percentage of each sale to marketing. We don't actually, to be fair, well, we don't actually do much no. Facebook ads. Like, we should be doing more, but I've got a column that I always just siphon off a percentage to allocate towards that's what we could be using for marketing. Yeah. I feel like it's just a simple way of doing it. Just if you sell a £2,000 wedding, yeah, allocate £10 from that towards marketing. Yeah. If you do that for each wedding, it'll yeah. have a good budget. You can yeah. absolutely do that. And the thing is, when you've got that system of generating uh, high quality book calls and you very soon after like a couple of weeks realize uh, for every book call that comes in through type form for example how many actually make it to a call and how many actually close on average you can quickly do your numbers there and then it's just about getting that traffic in once you know that your averages and your percentages you can almost work out exactly how much money you're going to make based on how many leads come in from your ads yeah and so if you do a two thousand pound wedding you can go and spend £2,000 on acquiring, let's say, 12 leads in which nine make it to the call and you close five out of nine because they're high quality. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with 10 grand in the bank and you've spent two grand. Yeah. And once you've seen those numbers happen once, then you're like, right, could we spend two grand a day on ads here? <laughs> like if, if we could be actually getting this type of results daily and getting this many leads in, like how how quickly could we scale this? Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity, did you have wedding insurance? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think we went through through Debenhams for it randomly. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. This might be a good time for then the ad break. <laughs> good segue. Yeah. <laughs> With Jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives. Whether you provide a service like design, development or photography or offer advice to clients, With Jack is for you. It's focused on creatives. Insurance shouldn't be complicated, so With Jack has made every step easy. You'll deal with one form and talk to one Jack as you sign up, get covered and move on with your day. With Jack is all about bespoke insurance for creatives. Simple. That doesn't mean more forms or faff, it means less. It's not about endless features and stale service. It's about one solid policy and the personal touch. Bye-bye, unnecessary fuss. Hello, creative-friendly insurance. Be a confident creative. Uh, We had someone ask in, how do you track clients? Uh, Considering I run traffic to get my clients in um, and I also am running traffic for all of my clients it all comes down to having the tracking set up 
which is something that's super simple by Facebook. Like they've made everything so step by step now so that everybody can do it. You don't need to uh, be able to edit a website to be able to set up your Facebook pixel and yeah. to, to do uh, your website tracking and, and all that stuff. So once you have your tracking set up and you can monitor anything that somebody does after after they've clicked on your ad, you can very quickly just see on the dashboard, black and white, how much did you spend? How much did you bring in? Yeah, It's as simple as that. And like once you have that confidence, it's, it is all about scale at that point. Mm-hmm. Like you do a bit of testing to see what works and what doesn't. Then you just scale up the things that are working and you just watch the money in, money out, done simple as that mm-hmm. do you know of a company called awesome they do like supplies mm-hmm. for vitamins and protein and stuff oh, awesome supplements awesome supplements yeah yeah uh and the guys yeah his his facebook advertisements are tracking me <laughs> <laughs> like I, uh, I think one of my favorite is um the fact that he's integrated like he's created an ad but it's not really an ad but it is obviously an ad so i've bought a product and then i'll be on facebook and then I'll have a thank you message come to me through Facebook. And it just, I was like, this is, one, I thought, okay, it's a little bit creepy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm being uh, monitored. But at the same time, I kind of appreciate the fact that he's spent this time to not create a traditional advert, but to thank me for buying his product, which seems like like it would be an empty gesture for him to spend money to reach out to me to say thank you. Yeah. But then... It's obviously stuck with me. Exactly. And you're more likely now to buy another product from him. Yeah. And, and, you, and he's and very funny. Yeah. And now you're talking so, on this podcast. I know I love Ben. Like, <laughs> I, I got him to SFN every year oh, uh, right, cool, yeah. and hung out with him. Took, took him to see Kevin Bridges, actually. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, the like that type of advertising is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's that sort of level of detail of being able to create an audience of people who have purchased a specific product mm-hmm. or maybe even... Uh, creating an audience of people who have booked a call with you. Mm. So you know they've got a call coming up and you can put a uh, advert in front of them showcasing some videos that you've done of, of other clients in the past and it's just yeah. warming them up before the call. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it is cool. But yeah, so, so you mentioned Pixel, right? So yeah. obviously this is the thing that was tracking me from the webpage to Facebook and then it targets me. Yeah. Uh, for the people who don't know, what a pixel is do you want to just in very layman's terms ex- explain what a pixel is so it would look a, like a lot of gibberish uh when facebook show it to you but all it is is a copy and paste into your website in which facebook shows you literally our first second and third step to do it you literally copy and paste it where they say to paste it on your website or any platform you're using uh, and it'll track people on every single page the beautiful thing is it tracks every single person who visits your website to any single page. But you can also create audiences of people who have visited in a specific time period Mm -hmm. or have visited specific pages. And you can also now create conversion tracking on your website. So conversion tracking on your website would be saying to Facebook, if somebody hits this page, they've made a purchase of this product. Mm -hmm. So that's, for example, if if you've got a sales page for somebody to actually uh, buy your service or book your service, On the thank you page, you would take that URL and you would say, if somebody hits this page, they've just bought the product. Mm -hmm. And now you can track that. And it's awesome. Uh, And then for the the audiences for targeting, being able to say that somebody hit a certain page but didn't hit another page 
opens up a whole bunch of opportunities as well. So you can say somebody went to the checkout page but didn't purchase. Mm -hmm. That'll be a small audience of people who were right on the edge of giving you their card details. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you can hammer them with ads and it'll probably cost you about 59 pence a day to do so because it's going to be such a small audience. Yeah. So it'd be like 59 pence uh, per day. You might convert one every three days, but into a £2,000 product, you spent £1.70. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like you, once you've got that pixel on your site, which is super easy to do, you can create super detailed audiences and you can put specific adverts in front of them. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to make it super simple for yourself and not think about like, like how advanced like Ben's targeting is based on the product that you've purchased. Mm-hmm. You could just do it as people who visited the website in the last seven days but did not book a call. That is one of the simplest, easiest audiences you can ever go out to. Mm-hmm. And I like to actually stack them together. So I do people who visited my website, engaged with my Instagram page or visited my vi- uh, Facebook profile in the last seven days. And then they get tra- they get uh, hit for seven days yeah. with adverts showing testimonial after testimonial after testimonial of people who are on the program saying I went from zero to here and I did this and this and this and this and this. Yeah, it's low cost ads, really high returns. Mm-hmm. I see you use a lot of video testimonials on your website. Yeah. Like what? what is it about the idea of, because te- you'd see like a testimonial on a website, right? In, in text form and you think, it may be in the back of your head, like uh, someone's so someone's just written that. It's not real. It's not genuine. Yeah. Is that why you do video testimonials? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Video testimonials are insanely engaging um, because they're typically not people who are on camera all the time. Mm. Like there's vulnerabilities there. So they're very relatable um, and it tells the story. Yeah. It's like I, I give I give them the most basic of instructions as I just say, let me know what it was like before you had the program. Let me know what it was like after the program mm-hmm. and let me know uh, what the best part of the program was for you. Yeah. And so they literally just tell a story of I was here, I became I became here in this amount of time mm-hmm. and this is the reason why. Yeah. Simple as that. We were looking at doing te- like more specific uh, testimonials and wanting to send out recorders to people or get them on the phone to leave a message so that we could put on our stories and stuff. I don't actually think we ever we ever, we ever executed on that idea, but uh, it's probably still one to do. One one that would work well for you is because you have so much proof based on just actually showcasing the videos you do, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you wanted to instill some client stuff because you've already got loads of videos on the page already because of what it is specifically that you sell, I would say that you ask everybody who you do a video for to write you a Facebook review. Mm-hmm. So first of all, you get a review out of it, yep. which looks great for yeah. proof if anybody goes to your social media pages, especially if you're running traffic, because they will. So they see a whole bunch of reviews, super happy people at that point, uh, which is great. Second of all, when they write a review, it goes onto their homepage and mm-hmm. people in their friend zone will see that they just wrote a review about that videographer. And if they are also engaged, they're more likely to reach out to you at that point. Mm -hmm. The third thing is, is that people understand Facebook and profile pictures, a little name and everything. And it's very authentic. It's like, it's a lot better than 
um, like a text message coming through which could be written by the person yeah. who owns the business. Yeah. That's very authentic to have that. And so you could have on your homepage, landing page, you could have examples of your videos, but then you could have a stack of uh, screenshotted Facebook reviews mm-hmm. of your service. My wife obviously is part of your uh, online course, which is actually the first time I heard about you. But she she had a question that she asked me, and it was, if you don't have much time, uh, you know, being a business owner with kids and juggling school and stuff, how would you create enough content? Batch creation. Okay. Batch creation and repurposing. So, uh, for example, yesterday, outsource it to, um, to Aaron, uh, turn up uh, with him three hours of filming we get 30 videos done i've literally got on my phone the title of all the the videos he already has them so he's already got the templates ready yeah he literally just camera on we just switch uh backgrounds and uh, switch over a few jumpers <laughs> yeah. so it's like it's not not the same for every single one and we in three hours get 30 videos and i share like video image video image video image mm-hmm. so if i was going to post once per day um for the next two months i would need 30 videos yeah and i've done three hours there with him and he's literally sending me everything there's no editing to be done mm-hmm. and it's actually a, a really really good price so if you're looking to create enough content that's high quality enough to be generating leads and uh, comments and shares etc then Doing outsourcing is a, is a really rapid way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got a little bit more time um, and you're going to do it yourself, then it's about batch creation. So doing exactly what I did with Aaron, but yeah. maybe sitting in front of a camera for three hours mm-hmm. and just knocking out video after video after video, yep. batch editing them, getting them all ready. It might take you the full day or maybe a, even a day and a half, but you might end up with two months of content out of it. Yeah. Instead of all the time trying to come up with new posts and new videos and, you know, it becomes a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Batch, create it, and then repurpose it. Yeah. So, like, if I'm sitting in front of uh, the podcast camera, I'll film three back-to-back, um, and then I'll be repurposing it so it goes out on Spotify, it goes out on iTunes, it goes all over the place there. But then I take the video and I put it out on YouTube. I then cut up the video into... Uh, we tips and hints and i put that out on social media mm-hmm. so everything's batch created everything's then repurposed yeah and i suppose in this industry for us being filmmakers or photographers primarily we're spoiled that we've got tons of imagery that we can use already yeah so just exactly. spend a day yeah you, allocate a day a month or something maybe you, you've got so much content it, it's it's absolutely awesome uh so and not not just that you're your content that's super highly engaging is also just about the most awesome way that you can showcase proof. And proof is the number one thing that will sell to anybody, that you have a great product or service and other people are enjoying using it. Mm -hmm. And your engaging content that you've got an abundance of does exactly that. So where in in my business, for example, if I was to share testimonials 100% of the time on my social media, nobody would ever engage with me. Whereas you're literally in a position to go and do that and people will see it as highly engaging Mm -hmm. because of the quality of the shots. Yeah, so it really is true. Proof is in the pudding. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming in. I know you've got to be away, uh, but I want you to. Keep, I, I want to give you the chance to like plug anything that you've got going on because I know there's a lot. So go for it. Okay. Well, uh, if you want to have ads up and running that are really really effective within the sort of like next seven 14 days then 16 week digital marketing program 100 is the the best thing for you to do if you only got access to that module alone it would be worth the investment i know it would uh 100 especially being in this industry i can help you out with with uh with the wedding stuff and getting those engaged uh people who are engaged in the last 30 days and etc and i'm uh, just going to stop you right there because obviously my wife is on that and she's just started implementing these things like last month and her inquiries have gone up by a crazy amount like, yeah. like seriously from the time she's had her business the amount of time she's been going all those inquiries in the last month <laughs> so i don't even know what percentage that would be but it's crazy so this course is really good yeah yeah, and that and that's like if you're doing the Facebook ads module alone, but you get seven others as well. Yeah. So you get the social media, you get the content marketing, you get digital strategy, you get email marketing, copywriting, all those different things that on top of it, if you need more leads after that, mm. you can do all those things as well. Yeah. Uh, you also get 365 days of support from me. So you ask a question any day of the year. People ask them on Christmas Day, they got answers. <laughs> uh, so people need to make money on Christmas Day. Damn. Um, yeah, so I'm there to help and not just say, here's the steps, go and do it. It's mm -hmm. here's the steps. If you've got any issues, let me know. Even if you've got a campaign running and something doesn't go right, ask me. I'll tell you why it didn't go right and what to do next time to make it right. And then I go live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. It's an optional thing. There's usually 20 or 30 people on the call and it's just a group Q&A. Anybody can come on, ask me a question. We hash things out. Sometimes we share screens, look at their ads, look at their emails. Um, and so it's just, it's so much accountability it's 100 percent support yeah. mm -hmm. and then you've literally got the simplest step by step to getting all of this set up so i would say that that would be the perfect thing there's people in the wedding industry that are are in it i was just talking about the the wedding band that, that joined yesterday but also we've got people who are even coaching people who uh, do wedding cakes uh, inside there so we've got uh, suzanne uh, she's in the program uh, she does online courses for wedding cake, uh, uh, wedding cake bakers. Her courses are super popular. But like, for example, her first ads that she ever ran from the course, she spent a few days on on the modules, getting it set up, um, launched it, and in one week she had spent seventeen hundred pounds, but she had made back fourteen k in sales Damn. directly from her ads mm -hmm. in, yeah. se in seven days and that's from somebody who claimed to be a dinosaur claimed to be a technophobe <laughs> she was panicking even to the point where i was like i was like you need to scale these up right now like to get to the 1700 i was having to be like now now hit the button now uh because she just did not want to move uh she didn't want to move the the money up because yeah. she was nervous about doing so just like we were saying like like when you're like i can't believe ross spends like that much on ads it's because everybody is uh is nervous to, yeah. to spend the money yeah but when you can see on the dashboard this is what's coming in for this level of spend it's scale, scale, scale. Mm -hmm. And it's it's almost what, what you can handle. There's plenty of people in the program who 
don't run ads all the time because literally their diaries are full. Mm-hmm. So they literally turn their ads off and it's almost like a tap. So it's yeah. like they turn their ads back on in one click of a button when they want more leads to come in. That's very cool. Yeah. So we'll put some links to the course and stuff in the show notes that mm. folk can check out. Yeah. Uh, but two quick fire questions. Any books you're reading that you'd recommend just now? Oh, uh, so creating a story brand um, was one I read. Donald re- Miller? Yeah, yep. yeah. Absolutely fantastic book. Um, as soon as you read it, you'll start rejigging all of your website sales pages <laughs> and everything and the way you tell stories. Um, it is so, it, it, it's so good. And I noticed a difference in my own leads after reading and applying everything in yeah. that book. Um, it was a really, really strong book. Um, one that's not marketing based, but it's great for anybody who's in business is uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. I heard on a podcast by a guy who is ridiculously wealthy and successful in business. He's like 52 years old, but has founded and sold 25 businesses for over a million pounds. Wow. One of which was for over a hundred million pounds. Um, so he's a very successful guy. He's got every, everything together, but he said that uh, his financial success is down to that book. So that was a big enough reason to go and download yeah. a three hour audio book. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's game changing. Yeah. It's oh, game changing cool. for how you assess uh, uh, like the money that you made at the end of the month what you actually get to keep so it's about like first of all uh, like getting your accountant to say to you this is your tax liabilities and everything this is what you actually have as a take home um and then it's about having uh, different pots and you already know that this percentage of whatever you took home this month goes there mm-hmm. this percentage goes there this percentage goes there and you have different pots for different things so that your money works for you guaranteed over here and that you have everything covered for your living expenses, et cetera, that you need for your lifestyle over here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this will just continue to grow for long-term wealth whilst you take everything. Yeah. That, but honestly, just go <laughs> go through it. It's, it's, a, it's a short audio book. It is incredible. Check that one out. And finally, who should we speak to next on the podcast? Oh, uh, what kind of guests do you want? Any Anything. type, any type. Obviously, you're out with the in, the wedding industry that we're in. So, if you've got any ideas out with as well, mm. I think uh, there's actually somebody on my mentorship program uh, called Daryl Sutherland, and when she's in the room with all of us, she's absolutely awesome with um, with like bringing everybody's energy to the absolute top everybody's buzzing around her Mm. she's great at like when people are feeling maybe a bit unsure about themselves or their business and getting like complete clarity and leaving sort of like pumped up Mm -hmm. um she does uh she does her own coaching and mentorships and stuff as well i gets great results with people and um and i think she would be a great one for Anybody who's listening who maybe feels a little bit unsure about where they should be going in 12 months and, mm-hmm. you know, the position of their business and maybe even it's an internal thing. Uh, she's great at bringing that to the forefront. And like, I think after an hour of, of chatting to her, she'll uh, uh, she'll have everybody in the room hyped. All cool. right, cool. We'll check her out. Yeah, cool. 
All and right. she and she comes to the mentorship in Glasgow every two months, so you could you could get her on course next yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, one more thing: where can people find you on social media? Uh, on social media, the best place is Instagram at Neil Shoney Mac. All one word. Uh, it looks like Neil's honey, unfortunately. It um, does. I thought that the yeah, other day. I was like, I, I'm not going to say it. Ev- every single time I'm on the phone, like, like <laughs> about to pay a bill or something, he's like, "What's your email address?" And I, I spell it out, and I'm waiting for it. Oh, d- there was this guy once, and he was like, "Have you got bees?" And I was like, <laughs> I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Have you got bees?" And I was like, "I." I don't know if I'm hearing you right. And he's like, bees, honey. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, <laughs> I was like it's Neil Shoney. I know it, it looks like Neil's honey. Right. <laughs> Easy yeah. to remember, though. Yeah. yeah. Neil's honey. Yeah, cool. And people can find us at Cinemate Films on Instagram. Yep, totally hit us up if you have any questions in the DMs. Do we have any review shout-outs, Greg? You said last week yes. you were going to find one. Yes, I've, I've looked one up. And we've got one. The title is... Some great stuff for wedding creatives. Good, because that's that's what we're aiming for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, so the message is, been listening for a little while, but feel compelled to leave a review after the fantastic episode with Eric Floberg. Mirrors much of how I feel about my job, and it was lovely to hear someone put themselves out there like that. With that, there is plenty to get your teeth into with this podcast. Like many in the video side of the industry, I largely work alone, so it's fantastic to get some perspective from others. How about a rebrand episode, guys? Just gone down that route about after 14 years with the same name. Would be interested to hear some stories on that side. Keep up the top work, John from Pindrop Wedding Films. Awesome. Thank you very much, John. Yeah. I think we've we've talked a bit about our rebrand process at some point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have. In fact, would it have been with David McGinty? And also, yeah, David's done, which I think, I'm pretty sure John worked with David at Walnut Wasp on his rebrand. Oh, right, cool. Uh, but yeah, we could go back into that at some point. Thanks mm-hmm. for the, the suggestion. Yes, indeed. Thanks, John. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode goes online. Please leave a review. That's a massive help to grow the podcast. And if you don't want to do that, that's absolutely fine. Just uh, tell a friend. However, until next time, enjoy your life.